Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Where are we going? We're going to um, the outskirts of Los Angeles, I believe. Yes. Erin picked this movie, so I'm going to let her introduce it this week. Ooh, the name of the film this week is The Postman Always Rings Twice, 1946, directed by Tay Garnett, uh, starring one Lana Turner and one la, 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 Lana. La, Lana Turner and one John Garfield. It's based on the 1934 novel by James M. Cain. It was his first novel. And he also wrote Mildred Pierce and Double Indemnity. I thought, I was thinking we need to put Double Indemnity on the list. Let's add it to the list. We will add it. It is film noir. It is a film noir. I had always heard of it, but I had never seen any of it. Same here. And... Before we started doing this podcast, we listened to another podcast called You Must Remember This. Really good podcast. It's a fantastic podcast about Hollywood um, and the, the behind the scenes and whatnot. And Lana Turner is discussed in it, as is John Garfield. Remember the John Garfield stuff? See, I thought John Gar... No. I thought John Garfield was somebody else. I was surprised with his visual, the visual he presents. Yeah, that's how I remembered him because I looked him up um, because he's he's a shorter man. Yeah. Um, to uh, Lana Turner was, I believe she was cast first. And then upon John Garfield being cast, she is reported as saying, quote, could they at least hire someone attractive? And there were a couple other people that they wanted to do it. Okay. Like Gregory Peck, mm-hmm. I heard. And Joel McCrae. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised, too. His stature actually reminded me of your grandpa. but um, And his hair. But your grandpa's face was a little nicer. I didn't. I think thought my was... grandpa was way more handsome, and I thought he was way taller. Well, that's because you were quite a little girl. He was not a tall man, but he was definitely more good-looking than John Garfield. Damn it! But John Garfield played played the heck out of this part. Oh, they both. It has been said that both of these actors. This is their their pinnacle. Yeah, Lana Turner said it was her favorite uh, role to play. And um, interesting tidbit about Lana Turner, in case people don't know, but are really interested. Very interesting thing happened with her daughter. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, stabbed her at the time lover to death. Stabbed mom's lover. Yeah. Lana Turner to death. Yeah. Yeah. And he was he was a made man. Yeah. Stabbed a made man to death. Yeah. And, you know, with everything that's coming out, I believe she probably had good provocation. Yeah, I'm 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 guessing. All right. Yeah. yeah. I always thought when I heard it and all the stories, I'm like, uh, yeah. he probably had it coming to him. Yeah. Not that not that not that killing a person is ever justifiable. Yeah, I don't. I so I that's that's your opinion. 
Well, you know, you know as I said it, I thought, yeah. well, there might be some. <laughs> I believe, well, you gotta I believe there really- is a thing called justifiable homicide. Yeah, there is. There is. That's true. So. Okay, well, it starts with a voiceover, which always cracks me up because of your point. But it was it was a short voiceover, and it was just setting the scene. Mm-hmm. It, but the title starts, and you know, the, the classic overlay titles. Was it over a carpet? Did they put the camera on a carpet and then a burlap? The, yeah, I was thinking was of an, a tweed of sorts. It was an odd fabric to have it behind behind it. So yeah. I, I was like, man, this really sets the, but it worked so well. It, it set the mood for me as this being a noir. And it was, we'd never seen it before. True. So True. It, it did grab my attention. It grabbed mine. So we have, it's a, it opens with the, the voiceover of the character that, who is played by John, John Garfield, whose name is Frank. He has a last name, but do we, we don't need to know about it. We don't need to concern ourselves with the last name in this. His name right. is Frank. And Frank is, he's talking about how he, he gets out of a car. I believe he's in a car, right? And he's, he's a, I just wrote hitchhiker because he didn't even have a name at the beginning. Yeah, he's just in a car, a passenger in a car, um, a dapper man with, what's the, what's the, what's the kind of mustache that the, the driver has? It's a. Uh, it's got a special name. I I don't know. It's just it's the mustache that always makes me laugh. It's the mustache in in like that you imagine. Um. Oh, what's his name that takes care of Batman and Bruce Wayne? Oh, that the caregiver. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. Yeah. But it's it's like that mustache, like in the in the cartoons and stuff that you would have. Yeah. And so. They're driving, and you see a, a voiceover, the gas station, and this guy, uh, Frank, is just like, he, he's all about new places, new ideas, and new people. So he... And the driver feels like he should have a plan. Yeah. He should be looking for his future. Yeah, and, and Frank is not about that. So he gets dropped off at this gas station. It has a help wanted sign. Um... And right after he gets dropped off, um, there's a, a cop, a cop on a motorcycle. I wrote coppers. Coppers. Coppers pull over the driver. The driver. So Frank's already out of the car. Right was, as he was getting ready to get back on the road, the, the man gets pulled over. And we just see the cop walk over to the driver. He, you know, he does the cop thing, gets down. Some words are exchanged. And the cop just walks away. He he actually saluted the car driver. Okay, he saluted and walks away. Right. So the hitchhiker says to the cop, "Hey, he slipped you something." Mm-hmm. And the cop goes, "Yeah, he slipped me. That's right. Three little words: the district attorney." Yeah. So Frank was given a hitchhiking a ride with the district attorney. District attorney lives right up the road from this place where there's a help wanted sign. Mm-hmm. So Frank goes, it, it looks like it's like a diner. And then in front of the diner are gas pumps. So it's a diner where you could also get some gas. 
Yeah, it's like uh, um, the it's the very essence, the seed of the flying J's, except it's just one thing. You got your gas pump and you got your food. And then there's a house where the people live. And the house is attached to the diner. Right. Right. And so um, the, the hitchhiker goes to the older man who uh, appears to own the place. And the hitchhiker says, I, I just have one problem with my feet. Well, yeah, because the, the older man, he doesn't even like the hitchhiker doesn't even say anything. The older man just comes up to him and is like, gives him the job. I was like, oh, you're a man. We're looking for a man. Here, you can have this job. This job is yours. Yes, come on, please. I'm going to show you how to do it and everything. And the older man is the angel in It's a Wonderful Life. That's where he was from? Because yeah. guess what he also is from? Yeah. He, I just kept going. I know that voice. Me too, but I didn't. I didn't piece it together until I also read to see who he was, and I saw that he was in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. He was the. He was. He's Monsignor. Oh my gosh! Maybe he was Monsignor, and he wasn't the angel in It's a Wonderful Life. Well, he has um, quite. His name is Cecil Calloway or Kellaway. He's South African. Huh. Yeah. Because I was like, what's that accent? And why is he so familiar? Why is he so familiar? I wonder if he's not. I just, I just, he I didn't do be. any research on it. He, I looked him up and in Wikipedia, it said um, notable appearances in his filmography and the notable appearances in this man's film it's like he has like a, over 700 or something credits it's ridiculous this man was, has seemingly been in everything so yeah. maybe he was i was just I would think that would be one of the top ones though if he had been that dude well i wasn't looking for it but let's i wasn't either you continue to 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 regal the people and i'll see what i can come up with okay i was looking him up too but you're much better so the uh, the hitchhiker goes yeah you know i can do all the work here because i'm kind of a good mechanic i can work on the cars and i can do anything you tell me to do i just have this problem with my feet and the old man goes well what's that and he goes Ugh. They just keep itching for me to go. Before we go any further, listeners, uh, disclaimer, the uh, the lads are here with us this weekend. So if we hear barking, it it is Chandler making his appearance. Just wanted you to know that. As he does. So um, he takes the job. It's a diner, and the, the old man goes, hey, what more do you want? You eat here, you sleep here for free. I pay you for the work you do. Everything is great. So then there, you hear a horn honk, and so the owner has to go out and pump gas, and the hitchhiker sees something roll across the floor. And so you watch this cylinder rolling across the floor toward the hitchhiker, and the camera starts to pan up, and you see a pair of white peep-toe pumps. 
and you pan up to shapely legs, shapely gams. The gams. And you keep panning up, and it is Lana Turner in shorts, a midriff top, and a turban on her head. <laughs> her turban All cracked white. me up. She she wore turbans a lot, it seemed like. So the hitchhiker picks up the lipstick, and he has it in his hand, and she says, thanks. And she's looking in a compact mirror, uh, a compact she has open, and She's checking herself out in the mirror. And, um, you know, it's thanks. And the guy doesn't walk to her to give her the lipstick. She has to walk to him. And she is rather put out by that. Mm, She is none too impressed. Yeah, she yeah, she was less than impressed. So he gives her the the lipstick and she applies it, of course, knowing that he is looking at her up and down. He's smitten. Um, she walks back, she applies the makeup, she closes the door, and the old man had started a hamburger for the hitchhiker, and it's burning on the grill, because this has taken a lot of time, and I said the hamburger was burning much like his lust. Oh, you nailed it. So what did you find out about Cab Calloway? Um, nothing. I didn't look up anything about Cab Calloway. Oh, okay. I didn't see, I didn't see that he was in there. I'll bet he wasn't. But he, I mean, it only, I only, again, I only looked up Wikipedia and he had so many. And after a while, I forgot what, what movie I was looking for. Okay. Okay. You were so enthralled by what I was saying. I was, I was paying attention and I have a hard time doing more than one thing at the same time. That's true. Okay, so he throws the burger away, and the next scene, the, the hired hand is he has the uh, help wanted sign outside, and he's throwing it into the little fire they have there, burning the sign. Yep. And the, and the owner says, oh, great, I'll go tell my wife you're going to stay. And he's going to himself. Your wife? She was his wife? What? And you look at the at the place and she's leaning on the door looking at him. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, how did she marry him? Nick, the owner. Nick, the owner. And we find out that the hitchhiker's name is Frank and the wife's name is Cora. Cora. So the next scene, you see him reading the paper with his feet up. And um, evidently where he's like in the kitchen area reading the paper with his feet up. And she's with Nick in the part of the diner that they live in. And yeah, she walk, in their house. Walks, she walks through to where Nick is and she says uh, and she's she has a dress on and those same peep toe pumps. She did like those peep toe pumps. And. The owner was working on the books and oh, she says to Nick, hey, that man you hired, why don't you pay him a week's salary and just let him go? And Nick's like, no, no. What are you talking about? We finally found somebody like that can help around here. And then she walks into the place where 
Frank is, and she closes the door. And she says, my husband tells me your name is Frank. And Frank goes, that's right. And he goes right back to reading the paper. See, he's supposed to put the paper down and fawn all over her. Mm-mm. But this is Frank. He doesn't play it that way. Well, Frank, around here, you'll kindly do your reading on your own time. So she's she's just being a bitch to it. Yeah. And he goes, uh, my husband told your husband told me I was done for the day. And I thought he was the boss. So she goes, the best way to get my husband to fire you is not doing what I'm telling you. Mm. He goes, well, you haven't asked me to do anything. And she goes, I want, uh," she just looks around. I want all those chairs painted. And so he goes, okay, uh, tomorrow I'll go into town and look for some cheap paint. You won't find anything cheap around here. Oh, yeah. She's got a chip on her shoulder. And she's including herself in that. Yeah. She's like, don't get it twisted. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I wasn't cheap. That's not why I married Nick. Yeah. So then she goes, go look under the cupboard. So he finds the paint and he goes, wonderful. Now, tomorrow I'll go into town and buy a paintbrush. And she goes, look at this bottom shelf. So he finds a paintbrush there. And he's like, aren't you ambitious? <laughs> so they're already having this um, uh, the, this tension. sexual tension building where they're just being ugly to each other. It's very moonlighting, I imagine. I was a little kid when moonlighting was out. Oh, very much. <laughs> I just yeah. imagine. Yeah, that was perfect. And um, then... Uh, so he goes, uh, well, why didn't you start this campaign of rehabilitation project before I came? Or were you waiting for me? Mm. And she goes, Nick was saving this paint. Nick's, and, and, and Frank goes, Nick saves a lot of things. Mm. And she goes, well, it's none of your business. And he goes, I didn't say anything. Only when I have something to save. I, I, when I have something, I don't save it. Ooh. And he goes, why even paint these chairs? She goes, I want to I make something of this place. I want to make it an, uh, an honest to goodness. And then it breaks off. Well, aren't, you, aren't we ambitious, Frank says. So he walks up to her and, he, and she says she wants to make a lot of money to... Oh, Frank is going, you want to make a lot of money so you can buy pretty clothes and maybe put aside some for your husband in his old age. Oh, taking shots. And then he grabs her and he kisses her. The the strings swell. Oh, yeah, the music was perfect. (laughs) But she doesn't kiss him back. And man, he, he did a face plant. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, her whole face was wet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and she wipes her face and reapplies that lipstick. Oh, she gives a good side eye to him. Cause she just, she's just kind of like facing where the camera is and Nick is in profile looking at her. She just gives him a side eye and just reapplies her lipstick. She's good with that lipstick. 
So then, new scene, we have a voiceover. And he and Frank is saying, it's been a couple of weeks and she's ignored me. I know she hated me for it. And then it's nighttime at that point and the wind is blowing and it blows down the sign for the place. The place is called Twin Oaks, which I kept um, saying Twin Peaks. I know I kept confusing it with 12 Oaks. Oh, gone with the wind. Not me. And, and at this point, I wrote, does she only wear white? And it was later uh, verified that, yes, even though she plays uh, uh, at this point, she is a fine character, but <laughs> she gets a little devious. And but she only wore white in the film because mm-hmm. it's black and white. It could have been like gray or yellow, but no, it was always white. Well, well, yeah, until we get to this one part and the whole film is very white. If we're keeping track of any black people sightings, there was none in this film. Zero. Zilch. 1946. Next scene, she's washing dishes. Oh, no. He walks in after the sign blew down and she's washing dishes at the sink. So he's. Well, doesn't Frank tell Nick that he needs to get a new sign? This that's coming. But um, I think it's the next day because he has a piece of glass in his hand oh. from fixing a car that he's trying to wash while she's washing dishes. Yeah, I didn't know what he was washing in his hand. He's he's just like washing. And I'm like, what what happened to it? And it was weird and distracted me in the whole scene. Because you didn't know what it was. But people of my generation know what that was. What was it? That was called a cozy wing. A cozy wing. A cozy wing. Um, the passenger and the driver's side windows up at the corner between the window and where it separates to become the the windshield is used to be this little triangle window that you could open and that would get airflow into the car before air conditioning. Oh, you could. That was the thing that swung open. Yeah. Oh, until he and just so, had it off and was washing it. Yeah, or it had, or he was replacing one or something. And I'm going, he's gonna wash that that has had bug guts all over it and, and dirt in the same water that she's washing dishes for people to eat in the diner. Yeah, okay. I don't think that we had um, had we figured out antibiotics yet. In the whole no. like sanitation. No. When did penicillin get discovered? It was around the, it was in the late 40s, I believe, early 50s. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess not. And the whole premise was for them to be standing side by side. Mm-hmm. They had to have a reason. And so he says he's going to try to fix that sign. See, he's trying to kiss up to her because he kissed her and she didn't kiss back. And she's been ignoring him for a couple of weeks. And he's not used to that. He He's, he's a ladies man. Mm-hmm. Um, and Some, she somehow says, he is. Somehow. I, I'm sorry, what? I said somehow he is. Yeah, not, uh, not a, he, he gets I mean, the he's ladies. not an ugly man. He's not ugly, but he gets them with his dogged determination. Yeah. Yeah. Again, with the sexual harassment. Yeah, but he wasn't as egregious as uh, Home Slice from uh, an American in Paris. That's true. It's true. Yeah, Gene. Yeah. yeah. Gene should have been locked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
or Kevin Spacey at this point. So he he goes, I'm, I'm going to fix that sign. He's trying to get in her good graces. And she says, don't bother. She's been fr- trying for two years to get Nick to get a new sign. At that point, Nick walks in. Oh, Nick. I mean, could you be more oblivious? I, how do you not feel the sexual tension? How do you not, when you're brushing your teeth, look in the mirror at yourself. <laughs> and then you look at your wife. And then you look back in the mirror at yourself and then you look at the handyman that you just hired. Yeah. And how do you how are you not threatened by this man with his, with his hair alone, his full head of hair? How yeah. are you not like instantly just like I'm bald and look at that luscious hair? Yeah. And so Frank walks in and and Nick said, uh, Nick says to Frank, you know, Frank, you must be in love. You hardly ate any lunch. And uh, and so Nick and Cora's eyes get big because it's like, what did oh, no, what is he, he picking up on? And Nick goes, oh, it's too hot to eat. There's funny weather up here. And the harder the wind blows, the hotter it gets. Mm. Mm, getting hot in the old town tonight. And then he goes, Nick, let me let me take that sign to town to fix it for you. Um, and then he starts thinking, you know, Nick, uh, what is what do you want that sign to do? What is the purpose of the sign? Well, and Nick goes, well, you know, to let people know that we're twin oaks. And he goes, you know, what will really catch their attention is a neon sign. You get a neon sign out there. People can see this place for miles. And um, so then he makes it sound like it was Nick's idea to get the neon sign. See, it's smooth operator. Because mm-hmm. also the neon sign is cheaper than the electrical sign. Because he had one of those old signs with like the bulbs in it and stuff. Right. Okay, and so uh, Cora's smiling because she's getting what she wants, and she's going, maybe this Frank guy isn't so bad. And Frank's doing what she wanted finally, and Nick's like, maybe you're right. And then Nick leaves. He is always leaving the two of them together. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes, you know, I could sell anything thing to anybody and Cora goes that's what you think (laughs) so she gets a cigarette and he lights a match to be you know suave and debonair and uh, she she's going to light her own match she doesn't need his but her match won't light and won't light and won't light so then she finally lets him light her cigarette and that's when Frank says how did you come to marry a guy like that and Cora says, is that any of your business? Uh, and he goes, maybe. So what's the next scene, Aaron? Well, then um, he's telling, is that where he, she says how she is ambitious? Or is, is the next scene where he, um, where Nick is, is kind of, Frank asks Cora what's wrong with Nick because he's kind of like, pouting a little bit and drinking yeah. 
He's sore. Yeah, and so Cora tells Frank that he's sore about the sign. And Frank's like, why? He doesn't like it? It looks fantastic. And Cora's like, no, it's more of like he's um, he, he's just, it was your idea. And it works, and it wasn't his idea. So he's kind of jealous. Which you're yeah. like, why? He's pouting over that? Shouldn't he be pouting over the young man <laughs> making eyes at his young wife? So uh, Frank goes in. And he's like, well, don't worry about it. I'm going to fix it. And so Frank convinces Nick that he did a good job on the neon sign and that it was his idea. And so that that frown of Nick's gets turned upside down by Frank. And he's got his little guitar strapped on him. And he says, all right, let's let's drink. Let's let's drink in celebration. And so he's he starts singing his song about what what's the song about? Well, I think you needed a corkscrew to open that wine, don't you? Oh, yeah. Indeed. And he had been drinking a little bit before they they got to it. Well, uh, uh, Nick likes to drink, apparently. Yeah, Nick Nick gets as torn up as some people get during the election. But yeah, so he's got his guitar and he's playing a song. And I didn't write down the lyrics, but it's kind of like a song that says. How am I this lucky to have this great girl like you? I know I'm not that great, and yet you're my girl. And um, so then he says, dance, Cora. Cora's a wonderful dancer. Yeah, dance for us. That's not creepy at all. No, exactly. So then they go into the restaurant part. Well, because she says, she says, like, dance for us. And Cora's like, no, I don't want to dance. And then she's like, well, why don't you dance with me, Nick? Because Cora's, you know, like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance with my husband in front of this guy. That'll teach him. Exactly. And Nick is like, oh, no, I'm a smart man. I, I don't have any dancing in my feet. Um, and so then Cora's just like, oh, all right. And then uh, Frank sees this as an opportunity. And he asks Nick, well, 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 well could I dance with her? And he calls her Mrs. Smith in front of Frank. Could I dance with Mrs. Smith? And because Nick prefers to watch. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Yeah, that is creepy. And, and so they're playing a tango. Well, no, because um, well, Cora's like, no, I don't know. I don't want to dance. I don't want to dance. Mm-hmm. And you know, Nick doesn't get the hint. He's like, why not? She's like, oh, because there's not enough room here. And so they say, well, why don't we go into where the diner is? And there's the jukebox. There's plenty of room there. Yeah. So they put the money in the jukebox. And it's, what is it, like some tango or something? Yeah. And there They didn't dance a tango if you watch um, Dancing with the Stars. It was not a true tango. Did they do a Passe Robles? I I didn't hear you. A Passe Robles? (laughs) It wasn't a Passe Doble either. Oh, a Passe Doble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were just dancing and looking to each other's eyes as the neon sign was blinking on and off. So sometimes their faces would be dark and then they'd be illuminated in the light and dark and light because Cora was really trying to stay faithful to her husband. She was. I mean, she was trying. She was going, no, Nick, you dance with me. I don't want to dance with him. And, of course, Nick was trying to get in her knickers. <laughs> no, Frank was. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Frank, I apologize. Wow, I blew my line. <laughs> and then she breaks away because it's just, she goes, it's too hot to dance. Yeah. She was, she was she, getting all, all, all emotional. She was getting hot and bothered. So she goes, I'm going for a swim. It's nighttime. She is, I assume, yeah, this is like north of Los Angeles because when Nick was in the car with the DA, he was going, he was leaving San Francisco and he was on his way to San Diego and he just stopped here north of Los Angeles. She's going to go swimming at night in the Pacific Ocean? Well, it is, it is really hot. Okay. I mean, she did say, and so when they're saying how hot it is and them Santa Anas, I'm thinking, whoo, and there's no AC. Yeah. Yeah. There were some nights this year where if I had been close to the beach, I would have gone swimming. So she's going to go by herself and Nick is fine with that. Yay. Go ahead, Cora. Have a good time. I'm I'm happy here with my wine. Well, you have to remember, this is 1946. So Los Angeles is super small at this point. That's true. So they're... Go ahead. Well, they're probably... I know they're probably... Because of what happens later, they're like up north, like around the coast. Like uh, probably Malibu. I thought it looked like Malibu. Mm -hmm. So they, they probably aren't that far. Cause it's, before all, yeah, before all the houses. Yeah. And, so that that part of being north of Los Angeles would have been very sort of um, sparse remote. and yeah. remote. So she comes out. So Nick, um, Frank says he's going to go with her. You know, he's going to look out for her and make sure she's okay. And Nick is like, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Fine. So I'm going to sit here and drink my wine. Use my corkscrew to open yet another bottle. We're going to be fine. So Nick is in the car car waiting for her. She comes out. Describe this outfit, Ma. <laughs> okay. So she, did, she, did she have on her turban? I believe so. Her white turban. And you, you assume there's a bathing suit under there. She has on a freaking coat. It's so hot. They have to go swimming at night, and she has on a white coat. A white coat. She has on like a white coat that's it's for a woman, but it's designed in the men's blazer kind of fashion. So she kind of looks like Madonna in the middle of a weird video in the eighties. Yeah. With yeah, because she has no pants on because it's a bathing suit with a turban and this white coat and these We're heels. Back to Judy Garland. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got this coat that looked like it could be. I mean, it, a wool coat. It's not a coat that you think, this is my beach coat. <laughs> I'm not packing that. You would seriously take that to the beach? I was totally befuddled. Befuddled, I, I think. You. I think that next year at the beach, that should be your outfit. <laughs> a white turban. <laughs> With a and white turban. Let us not forget the white peep toe pumps. Yeah. <laughs> It was hysterical. And Frank is sitting there in the driver's seat with a with an old bathrobe and a towel around his neck. Oh, uh, so that uh, that was I did enjoy this film. I did enjoy it. I, I did, too. I enjoyed talking out loud to it during it. Uh, oh, wow. So they, they I, run I, into I'm, they run into the ocean. And when I 
When I watch these old movies, I like to look and note the things that are the same. And though, you know, a lot of times things have just changed so much in the world. Oh, yeah. One thing that still remains the same, though, running in the ocean. That's the only way to get in. Yeah. I'm like, I, I relate to this. I'm watching something made in 1946, and I re- they're doing exactly the same thing I would do today. Only, only she didn't do the arm flap. Well, no. I mean, they ran into the ocean like normal people. They don't. She got to die. Yeah, she ran in and then kind of dived under yeah, the Yeah, they, they do the whole run in and dive in. I, you know, my arms get really cold. Yeah, and, and you don't want them in the water yet. Yeah. So they're they're high and flapping. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things ever <laughs> is watching you get in the ocean. I, it's very chicken wing. I get chicken wings. <laughs> it's, it's chicken dance-ish. So she has on her white two-piece bathing suit, the kind that, um, I mean, it, if for her day, I'll bet that was kind of a woo. Because it la, was la. a two-piece. Yes. It had a, a zipper in the back. So it looked more like a tennis skirt than a bathing suit bottom but it was two-piece and they were frolicking in the water like jack lemon and marilyn monroe weren't they oh they were oh yeah they were (laughs) see we can bring this back around to every movie we've ever seen and then um they run to the shore and i thought maybe they were gonna have a moment like in from here to eternity on the beach but the next scene they were back at home yeah, they just got in the car. Drive, Nick's drive or Frank's driving, and and she goes, um, "Hey Frank, do you like lemon meringue pie? I'll make you a lemon meringue pie." At which point, Nick comes to the door, and he looks out, and and it's like, "Oh, you two are back earlier than I expected." Yeah, you guys are back from frolicking <laughs> in the beach, half naked together earlier than I expected. This man had zero concern whatsoever. Uh, he, he, because he'd been having his relationship with his wine. He, uh, but I wrote, right. not worried. He, he, and then yeah. uh, Nick goes back in the house and Frank moves in on her. I mean, the husband is right at the door. Well, obviously and, he's oblivious to everything. So Frank's like, damn, all right, yeah. son. Let me <laughs> slide in. Yeah. And she goes, please don't, but they kiss anyway. And uh, I don't know which kiss it was in the film, but um, the censors and the public were pretty much outraged because they saw him using tongue at one point. (gasps) Clutch the pearls. Yeah. I didn't see it, but I did notice, man, these people were clumsy kissers. (laughs) I mean, wow. He took over her whole face. (laughs) Like next, like she was a cookie and he was Cookie Monster. <laughs> you couldn't have said it better. Okay, next scene. It's in the morning, and I think there's a voiceover of him saying he hasn't seen her all day. So they've had this fun evening, and now she's ignoring him again. And then he finds out that Nick is in L.A. So. Frank hears that he locks the diner door and he goes to Cora in who's in the kitchen and he holds her by her arms and she goes, why I married Nick? Um, and he goes, cause, cause he gave you a wedding ring. 
and it's the first thing you mentioned. And she said, I used to have to fight off every other guy. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. She says, I was never homely. <laughs> I, I cracked up. I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. I was like, all right, Lana Turner. <laughs> Duh. And she was never homely. Yeah. And, you know, that's something Nick couldn't relate to because I think he had some homely years. I, I couldn't uh, relate oh, to Nick it either. And Frank did. I was, I was just like, I can't relate to you. So then. Yeah. And then she, Lana's like, I've had to fight off guys, like all the guys, all the time. And I'm like, man, I know you did. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Yeah. She said, I can only imagine. She must have been exhausted. I would have been exhausted. And so, and she, and she told Frank, I told Nick I didn't love him, but but Nick said in classic Nick fashion, and Frankie Frank even says, let me guess what Nick said. He said, oh, that'll come in time. But it didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, he did say that. And then he's like, but it didn't come, did it? She was like, no, it didn't. But I, but I meant to stick by him. She really did. She really tried to fight off her feelings for Frank. She really did. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to work anymore. I mean, she was she was really pissed at Frank for, for coming in and, and staying. Because she, she knew in that instant when she went up to Nick and said, give mm -hmm. him a week's pay and get him out of here. Right. Because she, she knew. knew that it was going to get... Okay, so then she goes, is the door locked? And they kiss again. Yeah, because somebody comes up to it, right? Yeah, there's there's a jiggling. And mm -hmm. she goes, what's that noise? And they go, somebody uh, somebody can't get the door open or something. And she, she goes, is it locked? Yes. So the next scene, you see a handwritten note. And it says, Nick, I'm going away with Frank. I love him. Cora. And she folds it and puts it in the register. And the two of them are walking away. She's got on a, a white suit. She got on her walking clothes. <laughs> nope. Except she has on her peep toe pumps, which are not walking pumps. And they both have a suitcase and they're walking away from the Twin Oaks. And she's yeah. head to toe in white. Head, head to, to toe, toe in white. white. And it's a rough walk. Yes. I imagine they're on the Pacific Coast Highway, don't you? I think so. I this is before the five, so yes. Yeah. And they're walking, and at one point they get knocked off the side of the road, and she trips and she tumbles. And every time you see her, the dirt's in a different place yeah. on her white suit. But you can just tell in her face that she's thinking... I made a horrible mistake to hobo in heels. Yeah. And at one point, she steps in a puddle in those white open toe pumps, peep toe pumps. And um, then she's, she's, there's no rides coming, and she wants to rest. Mm -hmm. So Nick puts her suitcase on the side and lets her sit down. And she says, you know, I'm thinking, if I divorce Nick, he'll never give me anything. And Frank's like, well, what do we care? Yeah, we're and, in love. Yeah. Yeah, love will get us through everything. But see, that's not her thing. Because she's had all these guys she's fighting on. She wants plans and she wants security. 
and she she wants some money and i'll bet she wants health insurance but she doesn't know it i don't did they have health insurance back then it hadn't been created for well okay and he's going as long as we're together it's going to be fine and she's going i want to be somebody uh i love you and i want you but not this way yeah i can't I'm going back yeah i'm like I, I, we are living in a material world and i am a material girl yeah my if my peep toe pumps didn't show you that you're not paying attention hello yeah she's kind of like what are you gonna do frank just like hobo it around and then i'm gonna be hoboing it around and then i'm gonna be working in some diner and you're gonna be like doing something she's like why i got a good thing going here now i don't want to like i'm just gonna go backwards go back to where i came from basically no frank look at me look at me and she she told him from the beginning she wanted to make something of herself. She wanted to make something of the diner. She wanted to be better than it was. She's just trying to live the American dream, damn it. And you know what? She, she you know, in all fairness to her, she's never been homely, but she she wants to work. She wants, you know, it's not like Show she's me. she's just going to sit back on her laurels and let her beauty cash checks. She wants to, she, you know, she works hard at the diner to make it something. She's yeah. willing to put she, in the elbow grease. She cooks and she does the dishes and she waits on people. She even wears a uniform, but it's white. Yeah. And then she goes, oh, Frank, the note. Because if Nick sees the note, he's going to divorce her and give her nothing. So just then... Luckily, thank God, a bus comes. I w- if I was Frank, and, I thought that that's what what Frank was doing when he put the suitcase and had her sit down. I thought he was going to be like, "All right, get us a ride, like sh- show off them games." Me too. <laughs> me too. You can get us a ride. Yeah. It would be like me getting up the, our family a ride, and you guys coming out of the bushes. <laughs> oh yeah, they're coming with us. Yeah, literally the bushes. <laughs> Gone with the bushes. <laughs> So um, they run back and they uh, they are a mess and they get back to the diner just in time for her to get the note out of the register. And Frank reads the note. And, you know, that's pretty nice. I mean, she said, I love Frank. Mm-hmm. I'm running away with him. Oh, he's so he, just his smitten. Yeah. Oh, that's one word for it. And he crumples it up and he puts it in his pocket. I was sure that note was going to come back and bite him in the butt. Yeah. Uh, then you hear a horn honking, and Nick almost crashes his trunk. Truck. They they look up. No, he almost crashes into a truck because evidently he's been hit the wine again. Oh, you know Nick. That's our Nick. And Frank says to her because they're looking up. He's pulling into the place. He almost hits a uh, the truck. It's almost a head-on collision, and. Frank goes, I'd like to see him get plastered some night and drive off a cliff. And the music actually did that. Mm -hmm. And she and um, what's her face? Cora is just like, "Um, you take that back. But she's kind of also as she's saying, as her mouth is saying, you take that back. Her eyes are saying very interesting <laughs> exactly like the guy on on laughing that interesting. interesting 
Okay, so Nick is plastered. I have here in parentheses Wendy. Uh, and he's going, oh, I'm high as a kite. Yeah. And he's, he says, well, why do you have your good clothes on? Because he, oh, he only sees Frank at this point, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And he sees the suitcase and he goes, you're not going to quit on me. What's the big idea of? Because he sees two suitcases, and when Frank came, he only had one. Mm-hmm. So he assumes that Frank is trying to steal stuff from the diner. If there was anything to steal there. Yeah, what, what do you he, got? His guitar? Yeah. <laughs> and so he's going, you're going to have to open up the suitcases and show me what's in them. But he, if he did that, what would what would be in one of the suitcases, Aaron? A whole bunch of white outfits. <laughs> a bunch of white clothes. A bunch of white clothes. White clothes, I tell you. And, and white peekaboo, whatever. Three more pair yeah. of peep toe pumps. Peep toe pumps. At this point, Cora comes down because she has just, you know, like washed her face. And she goes, What's going on? And um, Nick is going, well, well, he's got two suitcases. He's trying to rob us, Cora. And she, she so she, well, they're quick on their feet. They went to... They're the Groundlings. They went to Upright Citizens Brigade. They went to all the improv classes in L.A. Exactly. And they know how to lie. They're like, yes, and? Well, well, you know, Frank has acquired a lot of stuff since he's been here. And I just told him he could take one of our suitcases with him. Oh, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense, says old high-as-a-kite Nick. Okay, okay, all is good. Um, and sh- then she says, but Nick, he promised he'd stay if you offered him $3 more a week. And she turns to Frank and gives him his suitcase. And he starts to leave. And they start to kiss, but she walks away from him again. New scene, voiceover. And he's going, you know, I should have left right then. Should have just, just taken my suitcase and just walked out the door. But I was licked. She had yeah. me licked. <laughs> Probably. Really. And um, he goes, three weeks, she's treated me bad. Uh and he's going, one night, I had to see if there was some way for us. And then he hears a guitar playing. He, so he's outside. And he goes and he looks in the window. And there's Nick with his friendly bottle of wine. And she's laying on the couch filing her nails. And so she can see the window. Nick can't because he wouldn't be able to even if he was sitting where he could look at the window. And oh no, she was polishing yeah, she, her her peep toe pumps. Peep toe pumps. <laughs> they got dirty in her little hobo excursion. Exactly. So she needed to she clean realized. them. I wasn't meant to have this existence. I have to be able to wear white peep toe pumps. Yeah. Now I have to clean them. Is it? Am I going to be able to get the these stains out? Yeah, really. And he wants her to come outside. She's going no, no. Oh, so he is distraught, and he, it's like. This is it. If she doesn't, you know, come out here, I, I'm going to have to leave. So he goes to his room, and you see the doorknob turning. And yes, she comes in. It's not Nick. No, it's her. What are we going to do? 
Frank says, do you love me? Of course I love you. Yes, I love you. Well, there is one thing we could do. But then Frank was like, but I'm just joking. And Frank says, we could pray for something to happen yeah. to Nick. Uh, something like that. Dum, dum, dum. She goes, you suggested it once. I do mean it. A woman can't do it without love. Don't you see how happy we'd be? We have a voiceover. The original plan was hers. Most, she's ironing. Most serious accidents happen in the home. Mm -hmm. So Frank is out in the, in the work shed and he's putting ball bearings in a bag. Oh, that's okay. So I'm picking up what they're putting down being they're going to off. They're going to off Nick and they're going to make it look like an accident. But he's in like the garage area and he's putting, I, yeah, they were ball bearings, but I thought, are they going to home alone him? Is that the plan? Because yeah, there's these much. like marbles and stuff. And I'm like, so he's going to be in the bathtub and they're just going to like put the marbles on the floor and hope that he like does the, the banana peel thing. Yeah. He's going to slip hit his head on the porcelain tub and die. He is an old man, but. But that's not their plan, that... though. What? He, he's going to because that's what I thought they were going to do. But then. I think the plan is they they put him in the like the the bag thing and she hits him with it. Oh, in the back of the I head. thought they were going to be on the floor for when he got up and he stepped on the floor and then he did the slippery. I did too. That's so funny, but it doesn't make any sense because that's a horrible plan. That's <laughs> true. Because you would people you would see those and be like, "What is this on the floor?" That's true. Like, that only happens in cartoons and stuff. Because she was going to carry towels in, and they never said she was going to dump them on the floor. Yeah. I just assumed she I was going to dump so them I assumed so, too. And I was like, this is the dumbest idea ever. Wow. Okay, so I lock the door. I make sure the wa water is still running. I go out the window, and I go down the ladder. And he goes, be sure you put the ladder back in the shed. And if I give you a signal, we're calling the whole thing off. Because she wants him outside wiping down the car mm -hmm. at nighttime. To be the lookout. Be the, and, and, and so that if anybody driving by, that's his alibi. Mm -hmm. While this is happening, he's outside. He's got nothing to do with it. But then Frank's like, no, I should do it. I should be the one to do it. Because he could hit him a lot harder than she can. Yeah, but that's the thing. He's in the bathtub. And she's like, I go in the bathtub. He's not in the bathroom. He's not going to think anything of it. You go in the bathroom when he's uh, in the that's bathtub. True. That's a little weird. That's true. Well, like the whole thing wasn't. So so they hear the bathwater running and they hear Nick singing. And when he's singing, he's in the bathtub. He's a happy guy in the bathtub. So you see Frank putting the left. <laughs> This was so funny. I, that, I thought it was funny. He's putting the ladder by the side of the house so she can go out the side window, go down the roof a little bit, come down the ladder. She's going to put the ladder away. He's going to be up there like he fell in the bathtub. Yeah, why does she need to exit from the roof? Like, why does she need to exit the bathroom yeah, window to go down? Why couldn't she just, yeah. 
Yeah. Hmm. Because Hiller and the boys are up here. Say hi, Chan. Say hi. Okay. And so, <laughs> so Frank is putting the ladder down. He's wiping down the car. Up, and this, this was suspenseful. Yes. A truck goes by and he looks up. And it keeps going. He, well, he puts oh. his hand, his hand hovers over the horn, and then it goes by, and he keeps, he keeps uh, waxing on and waxing off. Yeah, suspense. The suspense was building. And then they hear, and, and he still hears uh, Nick singing, so it hasn't happened yet. And he's still wiping the car. Then a car approaches, and it keeps going. And then there's this cat in the yard. So he... It was, it's by the ladder, so he go get, goes and gets it and tosses it over, so it goes somewhere. He's like, yeah, he's tossing like a, a rock at it. He gets distracted by this cat, by this ladder, and I'm like, what's the cat going to do with the ladder? Have you ever seen a cat climb a ladder? Well, I'm sure they can do it. They did in this movie. And now we're gonna we're gonna give a a, um, a little notice, uh, cat lovers. You're not gonna like the next part. I thought it was hysterical. Hilarious. Frank is wiping down the car uh, and uh, the police motorcycle shows up. Well, no, because Frank doesn't get back to the car. Frank is, he's still throwing it and he can't get back to the car because the cop guy comes, the guy that's on the motorcycle, he comes up and he comes up to him so that he's between Frank and the car. And it's the same uh, police officer who stopped the DA in the very beginning right. of, the, of the film. Because Frank is supposed to be honking the horn at this point. It, right. Because we need to abort, abort, because there's a police officer and it, this is not going to work. Especially if he sees her climbing out the window mm-hmm. <laughs> and coming down the ladder. In lot. all white. Because you know she was wearing all white. <laughs> With her peep topo. <laughs> And uh, so the police officer says to Frank, your car? And he goes, no, this is the boss's car. I'm just wiping it off. And then the police officer goes, what's that? So you're sure she's coming out the window or something bad has happened. And he uses his flashlight to flash it over there. Well, would you look at that? It's a cat crawling up a ladder. (laughs) You'll have to tell it, Aaron. So... Frank is horrified because he knows that in any minute she's going to come out of that window and he's got a cop and he's got this cat on the ladder. And I think he's like says something or or something to to the the cop. They have like a conversation. And then all of a sudden you just hear and everything goes black. All the lights, everything. And then you hear a woman scream. I mean, she was screaming her lungs out. Yeah. Just screaming. So apparently the cat got electrocuted. Well, well, we don't know that because they scream and then she screams and they have to get um, they have to get him to the hospital. She calls. She's screaming. Frank runs to the house. Uh, all the lights are out, and um, she's saying he's unconscious, but he's still breathing. And the cop sees the stepladder, and, and then Nick is saying, if he dies, we're sunk. Yeah. 
And the, she keeps saying, what if he saw me, though? Yeah, because she did it. She, she, she knocked him on the head. But he was still, yeah, like you said, he was still breathing. And that's when the lights went out. So there's a thing of like, well, what do we do? So they're like, well, we have to we have to we have to go with the original plan. There was an accident. We have to call the hospital. Right. Call the doctor. And mm-hmm. she's going. So she gets on the old timey telephone and she's. And um, she calls, you know, the operator and the operator puts her in touch with the ambulance. She doesn't want an ambulance. She wants a doctor. Next scene, they're in the hospital. And the D.A. shows up because he's a neighbor. And uh, so so somebody says, Mr. Smith had an accident and the D.A. is Mr. Saget. Mm-hmm. And so she she's saying to Mr. Saget, I went in the bathroom to get some towels. There was a flash and the lights went out and I heard him fall. And then um, a nurse comes out and says, you can come in now. Well, you would think just the wife's going in. But no, all of them go in, including the DA. And they're so nervous because what if Nick saw her and knows that she was hitting him on the head and then he says it in front of the DA? Oh, the jig is up. Well, the DA is suspicious already. You can tell by the look on his Mm -hmm. face. I mean, he is a district attorney. He has seen a lot. And he's he looked at her. He looked at him. Yeah. He put two and two together. And he's getting four. Yeah. And so um, the doctor says he can't make any promises, at which point uh, Nick opens his eyes. Oh, and you know, she's so nervous. She's like, it's me, Cora. Don't you know your own wife? And and Nick, uh, he tr- struggles to speak and he says, Everything went down. What happened? At this point, luckily, the doctor ushers everybody out. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> so then it's, it's just Cora, and Cora's like, why did you do that? Like a little boy falling in the tub at, in the dark and hitting your head. <laughs> That's what happened to you, Nick. Right? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? So uh, Frank and Cora go to the car and. um, Well, they're followed by the the DA and and the the copper. Yep. And Frank goes, they know something went wrong. So we're being followed by the cop and the DA. And so Frank and Cora pull into Twin Oaks and the DA comes and pulls in, too. And the DA goes, why, why is this ladder here? Well, quick on your toes, Frank goes, well, up there at the fuse box, I noticed that there was a, a, a wire that wasn't insulated, so I was going to fix that. And evidently, that's what killed the cat. And <laughs> right next to the ladder is the charred remains of the cat. And the cop is obsessed with the cat. He keeps looking at the cat and is like, that cat is deader than a doornail. And, and like people will talk and it'll come, the cop will just be like, that cat is deader than a doornail. And people talk and stuff and the cop is like, that cat is deader than a doornail. And finally the DA goes, yeah, the cat's dead. All right. <laughs> and the DA goes, well, okay, okay. Accidents can happen. 
And so everybody goes away. And she's, and then she says to Frank, next time I'll listen to you. Um, and she goes, if, and he goes, if Nick dies, they're going to find out. They always do. We can't make any plans till we find out about Nick. And she's going, I'll work so hard. I promise I'm going to work so hard here. And then the telephone rings and she goes, what? He is? Yes. He's going to be all right. He, but he's going to be gone for a week. So they have one week to figure out what the heck they're going to do. And for Frank, it was the happiest week of his life. Because they're going they, to the beach. They're just free to be together. And <laughs> the copper is back. And he goes, that poor little pussycat sure killed her. That cat was dead than the Again. Like, like he doesn't know what electricity can do to a cat. Obviously he didn't. And I don't think they'd ever buried the cat. I think the cat was still there they, by the ladder. They just left it. Oh, it's starting to smell at this point. Frank is upstairs. He's packing. He says he's going to spend a couple of weeks in L.A. And he goes. He goes to L.A. But he can't get her out of his mind. So he decides to go to the wholesale market where the people for Twin Oaks, where they go and buy their stuff for the for Twin Oaks. Because this is when you, you told them that the cops told them that Nick was coming home, right? Or yeah, was it was going to be a week and it was the happiest yeah. week of Frank's life. But when when Nick is going to come home, he just can't take it. Yeah, he can't like, be there. I got to hightail it out of here. Yeah. So he's at the at the market. Because he knows he that that's the, where they buy the food for the diner. Right. And he sees the car that he knows well because he wiped it down that night. And, um, but he's, uh, so Nick walks up to him and. Nick, Nick doesn't walk up to him. Nick like basically oh, runs yeah. up from behind him and like attacks him and was like, I knew you would be here. Let's go. I have so much to show you. And so I have to take you back to Twin Oaks. Yeah. Get your bathing suit with me. You have to come back. I have the great news. And I thought Nick looked pretty chipper for everything that he went through. Well, it had been some time. It had been been like a couple of weeks. Yeah, it had been three weeks. You're right. Okay. He was kind of old to recover in three weeks. I think he was like, um, he probably was 35. But it's just the uh, 1946 35, which in 1936 in 1946 35 was equivalent to 72 in 2017. It looked 72. It's just it was just hard times. The war really aged everyone. Okay. So um, so Frank comes in and. Frank and Cora just stare at each other because she thought she'd never see him again. And then there's a a honking horn. So Nick goes to help a customer and Cora's cooking. So he goes up behind her and he says, have you been thinking about me? And she's like back to wife Cora. Mm -hmm. She's like, no. And she's like not letting him touch her. I'm getting ready for dinner. And he says that was the worst flop. 
Then we have Frank looking at a family album. This is a family album. It's the uh, Nick shows him his X-rays of the hit to the back of the head. <laughs> See, I still didn't pick up on that. <laughs> I still thought the ball bearings were for the floor for him to slip on. Well, I, I oscillate back and forth between the two because I'm like, did she hit him on the head? Because if she hit him on the head. Then when he hit, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We'll have to. Yeah, you couldn't be sure that he would hit and like he could catch him. I don't know. So you're right. It showed where he where his head hit something in the accident. Okay. so then then Nick goes, I have a big surprise. I have a big surprise for both of you. I'm selling Twin Oaks. What? They're going to turn this road into a four-lane highway. Probably the five. Probably. And bigger places are going to come and run us out of business. I got a good price for it. I'm going to go back and live with my sister. She's not well in northern Canada. Whoa, you used the I pronoun. He was like, we're going to live with my sister in northern Canada. And she's like... "Uh." Well, give me a chance to tell you what I think. Well, no. And first of all, she's like, you have a sister? That was number one. She had no idea that her husband had a sister. And then he was like, yeah. And she's quite ill. And she's like, oh, what's that got to do with me? And then she's like, well, no. Where's my say? What? Like, why? why can't we discuss it? And he's like, there's nothing to discuss. My mind is made up. Yeah, we never saw this side of Nick. Yeah. Uh, Because he's like, no, Cora, my mind's made up. And she goes, mine isn't. And um, she needs us to take care of her. And Cora's going, don't sell. Because this was Cora's dream to Mm -hmm. make the Twin Oaks into into a, a nicer establishment. And Nick says, my sister is paralyzed and she needs you to take care of her. Yeah, that means washing her. Yeah. Giving her giving her sponge bath. Wiping her butt. Yeah. And she's going, don't sell. And he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to go close the deal right now. And he goes into the other room and he gets on the phone and, and he's saying on the phone, okay, Wednesday, Wednesday, we're coming to Santa Barbara. 10 a.m. sharp. And the whole thing about Nick, um, Frank is Frank's going to get to be the manager of the place. Yeah. So it works out for everybody. Man, except for Cora, because Cora says, um, I go. This is Los Angeles. Look at the weather in Los Angeles. The funny thing about it, how everyone was saying it was so hot and they were going to the beach. This all took place in January, people, because that's Los Angeles. And Nick is going to take her, not just to Canada. It's not as if they're just, oh, they're just going over the border. He, he described it as northern Canada. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? We're talking going igloos from here. Los Angeles to northern Canada? <sighs> there isn't enough white fur coats in the world. And, and so good Nick luck is, with those peep toe shoes in northern Canada. That's true. Cora. She's going to get snow in those peep toes. So Nick is happy with himself. He has done the deal. Everything is set. He's going up to bed. 
And he's like, I'm a man, 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 man. Yeah. Doing man things. Matter of fact, Cora, come on up. I'm going to show you what yeah. a man I am. I'm a man. She, she kind of Stepford wives it up the steps. She's like, just, just a zombie. So Frank is outside smoking. He just, you know, what's he going to do? So he goes into the Twin Oaks and he sees Cora in the kitchen with a knife. Oh. So he goes over and he holds Cora. And she goes, why did you come back? I could have gone there. Everything. If you hadn't come back. I was like, Cora, think about this a minute. L.A. to Canada, really? You could do that? You, you let him, are you going to let him take me away? If you really loved me, you could. Dun, dun, dun. And, and he's going, you're the one holding the knife, Cora, you know? And she goes, Frank, the knife wasn't for him. It was for me. Dun, dun, dun. So he goes, well, I guess it's in the cards. Wait, that doesn't We're- even make sense, Ma. Because she just said, when when he came in, she was like, "Why'd you have to come back? I could have handled it. I could have done. I could have handled, yeah. gone through everything." And then he sees her's like, "Well, you have the knife." She's like, "The knife was for me." So obviously, I guess her idea of handling things and my idea of handling things, <laughs> different things. are significantly different. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe her thing was I could have killed myself if you hadn't come back. Yeah, aka mm-hmm. handled things. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. So they decide the best way to do this is a drunk automobile accident, which is what I thought in the beginning. Why were they dealing with this whole bathtub scheme? Yeah, and they admit it. They're like, we're bad with murder, so why don't we just make it look like an accident? We're even going to have liquor in the car. And so. There's Nick in the car getting ready to drive, and he is drunk. Mm, indeed. Two sheets to the wind. Hammered. <laughs> Wendy. At which point, the DA pulls in and needs air in his tires. They got bad luck. If it weren't for bad luck, they'd have no <laughs> luck at all. And um, so Cora's freaking out. And, and, Frank is going, no, this is going to work because the DA is going to see how drunk he is. So it's all going to work. This is going to be fine. Just stick and Nick to the is story. pretending to be as drunk as Frank is pretending to be as drunk as Nick. Mm-hmm. So Frank, they got Frank. He's drunk. He's in the driver's seat. And they got, um, no, Nick is drunk. He's in the driver's seat singing to himself. And then Frank is acting like he's drunk. And he's like, move over, move over, Nick. I'm going to drive. You're too drunk to drive. And then Cora's like, no, Nick or Frank, you get in the back seat. Nick, you slide over. Both of you boys are too drunk. Exactly. So the DA had just looked at him like, okay, what's going on now? Yeah. If I was, you would think the DA would be like, um, miss, have you been drinking? Right, or none of you are going to yeah. drive because you're going to have an accident. But this is 1946. There's no such thing as mothers against drunk driving. Yeah, I guess there's no such thing as drunk driving. There's also no such thing as seatbelts. No, that's true. There weren't any seatbelts at that time. You should have seen... Okay, never mind. So uh, they're on the road. Cora's driving. And 
Nick is is still astute enough to know that when she starts to turn off toward Malibu Lake, he's going to go in the wrong direction. Cora, we're supposed to keep going straight here. And he's still got it. He's drinking his wine. He has to have a corkscrew with him in the car. And and he's going a Malibu Lake is the worst town in L.A. County. And and so Cora goes, oh, look at the gauge. The car's overheating. I'm going to pull over here and let her cool down. This is the most treacherous road. It's it's one of those canyon roads. Yeah. Where like you're we driving. Yeah. You know, if you want to, when you take the canyon, oh, it's a Panga Canyon. That's a crazy road. You're you're just driving right next to the cliffs. And it was a crazy road when we were on it in 2017. So imagine what it was back then. It was probably the same road. <laughs> So, I'm just going to be honest. Um, so uh, Frank starts to hit Nick with an empty wine bottle, but but Nick gets out. Because he hears an echo. Echo, 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 echo. Um, yeah, and so he keeps going, do you hear that echo, 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 echo? echo. Which I thought was going to come back and bite him. Yeah, and will you, at this point you think everything's going to come back and bite them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Cora looks sick. Uh, so they, they, uh, okay. So, um, uh, did Frank ever hit? Well, Frank gets, Frank, Frank gets Nick back in the car. Cora's in the driver's seat. Frank starts singing again. You see in the back seat, Frank's hand go down, grab the wine bottle. That's and you right. never see, you never see him actually hit Nick. You just see him pick up the wine b- bottle and then you kind of see like the movement of him hitting it. And, and you hear the thump. And the thump. Yeah, and then that was good. they get out of the car and they say, all right, you know, let's, I think they, did they move him over into the driver's seat? They didn't. I don't think they don't even think, had to. I, yeah, oh yeah, they didn't. He's still in the passenger seat and they're like, all right, here we go. And so then they push the car over the cliff. And it goes over the cliff. It kind of it rolls over a couple of times, but then it just stops. And they run down and they're like, OK, now we have to go um, beat ourselves up to make it look we like to look like we were in the accident. Yeah. So they they get down, they climb down, which if you had to make yourself look like you had been in an accident, too, I kind of thought maybe you couldn't control it. But I would think that you would maybe, you know do some somersaults and tumble yourself down to the car. But I guess you don't want to just keep on tumbling all the way down. So they, they climb down to the car and then right when they get to the car, they see lights of another car coming and they, they freak out. They're like, do you think he can see us? Do you think he can see us? And Frank says, no, I don't think, I don't think he can, but um, we have to get this car down further because it doesn't have enough damage to make it um look like how we want it to look right because it had stopped on a cliff below the cliff but there was more cliff for it to go over so frank he he gets in the car and you just see it on it's on frank's face and you never see nick but you just see like frank kind of like a little like ew yeah, he, he was pretty like creepy. Yeah, reaches I think over him. Lots of blood. Yeah, because his body, like there, again, there's no seatbelt, so his body was all like rolling and stuff. And he goes to to move it, 
But then something happens and he gets stuck in it or he or he doesn't he's unable to escape. So he goes tumbling down in the car without a seatbelt down the rest of the way in the ravine. And Cora just starts freaking out. You're like, Frank, Frank. And so she just all of a sudden books it up the side of the mountain in her white and her peep toe pumps. And she gets up there and you see the car and guess who's in the car? There's somebody offering her a hand to pull her up onto the road from this little gully she's trying to climb up. And it is the, the district attorney. Saget. Yep. So he's like, I was following you guys. I thought there was something fishy. And he was, what, what else did he say? Uh, I, I, I knew you were guilty of trying to kill him back back there at the house, mm-hmm. the bathtub accident. So, yeah, I've been I've been on to you all along. And the next scene is the mortuary. Well, yeah, you you're see- in the back of the ambulance and the, the ambulance backs in and you see two gurneys and you see the words the mortuary. So you have to assume both of them are dead. I didn't because they show they cu- they cut to Frank in the back of the ambulance and he was oh. bandaged up but he was alive. Oh, I didn't see that. I did. I was Unless more, I, I had more suspense up. going on cuz I wasn't sure who was dead. Oh. And then the next scene is Frank in a hospital mm-hmm. bed with a policeman sitting in there with him. And the DA comes in. And he goes, you and that girl murdered her husband. I've been wise ever since the bathtub. And then when I found about the, out about the brand new $10,000 life insurance policy what? that Nick took out the day before you came back, what? I don't need to know anything else. What? That's so, what Frank's eyes say. What? Frank really didn't know about a $10,000 life insurance policy. He was just doing this for the love of his life, the lust of his life. Yeah, yeah, see? So at this point, the DA is framing Cora. And well, he the DA, it's it's the classic. I mean, you've seen it a million times in Law and Order. You got the two suspects in the two different rooms and they're trying to say that each one is turned on the other. So the DA is with Frank and saying, look, you know, um, she had the she had all of this. I understand. Um, Let me paint this all out for you. It's you or her. If you don't sign this, um, what is the complaint? Everyone will know that it was you and her. But if you sign this complaint, then you're basically saying it was just her. So, and he, and he, he's just laying it all out. And it's, it's making a lot of sense. He's like, you didn't know about the insurance policy. Exactly. So, so Frank's going, well, maybe she was trying to off me too. And just keep the 10,000 for herself. Because remember how cold she had always been. Like a lot of times, you know, she had given him the cold shoulder a bunch of times. So at this point, Frank's like, maybe I got played. Maybe she just took me for a fool. Exactly. And um, so so he signs it. He signs the complaint. At that point, her lawyer comes in and her lawyer is Hume Cronin. Hume Cronin, a young Hume Cronin. 
Oh, and he was great. And so he and the DA know each other. And so they have a $100 bet that the DA is going to get her and that Hume Cronin's going to get her off. And so it was just shady shenanigans mm -hmm. and totally leading the witness, you know, and saying she wanted it all for herself without sharing it with you. So and, and Hume Cronin is smoking a cigar in the hotel room, in that, the hospital room. That's what you do. I guess so. At this point, uh, Frank's going, I shouldn't have signed it. And the lawyer goes, I'm handling this. So next you see a court arraignment. Frank comes in in a wheelchair and she's just staring at him because at this point they hate each other because they know that the other one was trying to kill the other one. Because, mm -hmm. because well, she knows that he signed the complaint and this is the people versus Cora Smith. Exactly. Um, she is she is being arraigned on the murder of Nick Smith and the attempted murder of Frank. And the lawyer goes, she's pleaded guilty to both. And everybody's like, <gasps> what? Nobody pleads guilty. Yeah, what? And he, he goes, look, his lawyer, very smooth, is like, look, my client pleads guilty. Um, I'd like to move this forward. Can we get this into the superior court tomorrow? Like, you know, why are you wasting everyone's time? Let's just go for it. Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow. So then they put Frank and Cora in the same room. Like, like they don't know that that room is bugged. Well, I don't know. At first, they're not saying anything. They just hate each other. Mm -hmm. Just the tension, just the hate. Oh, look what their love has done. And then Frank goes, we've been double crossed. And Cora goes, it wasn't me. It was me, not you. You handled it before. Now I'll handle it. And so Frank goes, I'll tell the DA you want to confess. So uh, so they bring a typewriter in. Well, no, because so, yeah, because Cora was like, we've been double crossed by my attorney, by the attorney Keats. And so then Keats enters the room and Frank calls him a stool pigeon. And was like, you're in cahoots with the DA. I saw you guys. You guys are friends. You just took the case so that you would make this easy on him. What's he paying you, you know, to, to get these pleas? And so um, that's when Cora says, she's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make a full confession right now how we both, it was both of us. Both of us killed my husband and we're equally guilty. And so Keats is like, oh, you want to confess? And She's like, yeah. She's like, all right. So he leaves and he comes back in with this like burly man and he sits down. He opens up his box that has his, his case, his briefcase that has a typewriter. He gets out all of his notary supplies. He puts the rolls, of the paper in and he's like, he, you know, t -t 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 -t. and then he looks at Cora and he's like, begin. And Cora just lays it all out, just confesses it was both of us and we both are equally guilty. And he's like, ch -ch 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 -ch. Frank Chambers and I are completely guilty because she's not going to take the rap all by herself. Oh, no, no, no. And right now it looks like she attempted to kill Frank. Mm hmm. So the guy goes sign here and she does. And who says the D.A. fooled you into that confession? Um, I, who does? I think it was Keats. Oh, he got you both. Yeah, Keats. So then the, he signs it. He lead they the guy the 
uh, stenographer, reporter guy, he leaves, Keats walks in, and he's like the DA, he says, the DA fooled you into that confession. The confession... Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, the, but the guy who took it, the stenographer, is still there. Because then Hume Cronin says, that confession, what did you do with it? Oh, wait. No, and, the guy oh, leaves, and, and he's just talking to the two of them, and he's just like, yeah, you know, the DA fooled you into that, made you do that confession. Like, um, I knew it from the moment that I that I saw you guys. I knew that that you were, you were going to... Um, that's why I pled guilty so that you wouldn't spill your guts in court because I knew that you were so angry that he signed that complaint against you you weren't going to let it stand and if we were in court a minute longer you would have just said the whole thing confessed to everything and that's why I put in the guilty plea because I needed you to get it off your chest Mm -hmm. and so then they both like look at each other and he's like I told you I would handle it and they both look at each other again and he's like now like can we can we proceed like are you satisfied right and like are you gonna do what um what i tell you to do and stuff and she she's so then um yeah so then she's like but i confessed what's you know like but i already confessed it's too late and then keats opens the door and the burly guy walks yeah, in yeah. and he, he's holding the paper and he gives it to Keats. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, this guy works for me. He's a dick. A real dick. And the confession will be locked in my office safe. Yeah. Meaning a detective. He's a he private says, dick. We're going to fight fire with fire. Let me handle it. Mm-hmm. So now they completely trust the attorney. Yeah. That's all they've got. Um, so then they go into court the next day. Yeah, they're in and, superior court. And the judge says, how do you plead? And she says, not guilty. And and they're going, what? 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 Yesterday it was guilty. Now it's not guilty. And the lawyer goes, you know what? The first, I didn't believe her either. But now we're pleading not guilty now that I've heard the story. And the, uh, the lawyer says the DA has no evidence, so we're going to have to dismiss it. Uh, if she pleads guilty to manslaughter, she could uh, she would do she would plead guilty to manslaughter. And so she was going to be sentenced for manslaughter. Well, yeah, because they, they have. Cronin- well, they have. So when there was all that that whole like turmoil of like when she pleads not guilty and everybody's like, what? Um, he says, look, yesterday it was in my client's best interest to plead guilty. And I thought she was guilty. But in the 24 hours since, I've come to believe that she is not guilty. So that's why we're changing it. And then they they have a sidebar and it's Keats and the D.A. And Keats tells the D.A., look, I know you're bluffing. Because all you have is that confession. Without it, you don't have anything. And so Keats says, I want you to dismiss the murder charges and put it in for a manslaughter. And we will plead guilty. But you also have to um, ask for leniency in the sentencing. You do all of that, we'll plead guilty to the manslaughter and the leniency of the sentencing. Right. 
And really, the DA had nothing. Yeah. It, it was all his assumptions all along. So they did that, and she got probation. Right. And Frank said, everything's going to be okay. And Cora goes, that's what you think. And the DA is like, I am watching you. You two, I know you two did. Any, you guys mess up in the future, I'm going to be right there. And then Hume Cronin has the $10,000 check from the life insurance policy. Right. And it's like, is he going to give it to Cora? Or is he going to keep it to himself? Is he going to give it to Cora? Is he going to keep it for himself? Because how did she get him as an attorney? That's what I kept waiting for. I, I don't know. And so finally he gives it to her and he says, I'm happy because I won the $100 from Saget from our, from our bet at the beginning. And he also knew because... He because he the insurance cut the check. He knew that the insurance wouldn't have cut the check if they suspected or if they had any proof that she was behind the murder. So since the insurance detectives couldn't find anything and had to give her the check, he Keats knew that the D.A. didn't have anything on him. True. So at this point, Frank is saying to her, hey, you can sell Twin Oaks and we can go away together. And she goes, you've been trying to make a tramp out of me from the beginning. Um, and do you want to stay? Because you're going to have to work hard if you want to stay. Yep. So they stay and then it's several weeks and the business is booming. She's done it. She made a beer garden. Mm-hmm. She has a little beer garden going on. All is going great. Um, they aren't getting along that great, though. No. They still don't trust each other that much. But And so then the DA and Keats, they show up. And what happens? Um, it was confusing because... Um, there was a reason why she had to get married. Oh, because the town. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, everybody was talking about them, two unmarried people living in that place. Um, so, so the rumor mill was, you know, st- stirring up a storm. So they went, well, there's only one thing to do then. So, yeah, the so only way to stop this. So they get married because... Them getting married, oh, you know what? Yesterday, when they were just single and living in sin, that's when they murdered her husband. But today, they're married, so they didn't do anything. Yeah, it's legal now, so not a problem. Yeah. At which point, um, I mean, they really don't trust each other. She gets a phone call. Her mother's had a heart attack. So she has to get on the train. And um, so Frank and did her lawyer was there, yeah, too. Frank wasn't he? and Keats drop her off at the train station. At the train station. She gets on the train. She's going to be gone for a week or two. And <laughs> our boy Frank is, is there and there's a woman in a convertible who has flooded her engine. Yeah, so then he just walks up to her. He basically looks at Keats and is like, um, I'm going to go check out this girl. 
and he goes up to her and it's like you flooded the engine he hits on her and basically they go to mexico he goes with your looks and my uh with your your she goes she says it with your brains and my looks we're gonna go places uh and she is an outlaw who can't stand captivity now in in the movie she was like um a waitress in a diner type place too but in the book she was a lion tamer oh that's exotic and telling and she had yeah and she had tons of cats which oh. they, they killed the cat earlier so but in the in the premiere um everybody laughed so hard at her being a lion tamer that uh, the author of the books slunk out of the theater and changed it to her just being like a waitress. Hmm. Yeah, that was some that was some trivia. Let's go to Mexico for dinner. I've got a week. So one week later, Cora gets off the train in what color, Erin? Black. First time. What? I guess Black. moms didn't do so hot. Um. And she says to Frank, Frank, I think you and I are going to get along a lot better now. Now, he's had a weak fling with uh, Lion Tamer uh, Madge or something. I yeah, have no I idea her what her name, name Madge. was. She was weird. So they get to Twin Oaks. Evidently, she had a much bigger part originally, and they had to cut it down to just that much. So um, there's a, a man there. Lawyer Kennedy. Oh, I, I left Mr. Keats. Le oh, it's the it's the stenographer. Yeah, the dick. Yeah, and his name is Kennedy. And he goes, I left Mr. Keats. I don't work for him anymore. And um, I want you to let me have a little bit of that money uh, because that paper is still in my files that I took. Yeah, he so still has much, the confession. How much are you going to pay me? And they're like, we're not going to pay you anything. And he's like, I think that you're going to pay me the $10,000 that was in the insurance. Plus, hmm, plus, and he looks around. He's like, this place is doing gangbusters plus another 5000 So I want $15,000 or else I take that confession straight to the DA. And so she's going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, I had to I had to go on this trip, and that cost a couple thousand. In 1940s, uh, maybe she bought some more peep toes. Well, she needed a whole wardrobe of black. All she had was white. She That's can't true. wear white open-toe pumps to her mother's funeral. That's true. She had to get black open-toe pumps, peep-toe pumps. Peep toe pumps. And then she had to, you know, make this beer garden. So she spent money on that. So the the stenographer goes, okay, 12000 Or that confession goes to Saget. Uh, so they go, okay, fine. Be here at 5 o'clock. And uh, then she throws a... No. Be here at 5 o'clock. So at 5 o'clock... No, it was no. the it was his partner that was going to bring the yeah, paper. Mom, at you're five missing the, the you're missing one of the funniest scenes. So I they're do. they're That's doing the here. they're doing the whole like she's doing the whole banter of like trying to get him to lower it, and by th by that time, um, 
the dick has pulled out a gun and he's like don't try anything any fast moves and so she's getting him some beer uh frank's got a beer and she's saying about like well we can't give you fifteen thousand. and he's like all right fine then what about twelve thousand? and then she like cozies up to him and you know she's lana turner yeah and she's like well you know it's too bad that we didn't meet under different circumstances and stuff and you know she gets him to just lower the gun ever so much and then she throws the, her drink in his face and he's like ah and that's when frank makes his move and he just starts wailing on him and punching <laughs> him and he's like call your friends and he's like i don't have any friends and he like beats him again and he his punching I'm going to try to describe this for the people because it was I rewound it and watched it three times because I was laughing so hard. His his punching style is not the the typical your fist is is hor is perpendicular to the ground. He's doing like a sledgehammer kind of using his fist as a, like as if it's like the the hammer of Thor just coming down. I have to down go back and watch on, it. I oh yeah, that. He, he's just hammering down on him, and then he's like, "Call your friends, call your friends," and he picks him up and he puts him up against the he he's like his back's against the wall. This dude and he does the the three stooges slap to his face like five times it's going and then on like the seventh time he just decks him in the nose and the guy falls down it's how is that not a gif of him just going and punching him in the face oh it was hilarious just i mean he's just wearing out this dude and he's like call your friends and he's like no and he just kicks him and, and he beats him up again and finally he's like all right all right i'll call my friend so that's when he calls his accomplice and he says, um, uh, um, like, his, his accomplice is Willie. And he tells him, like, yeah, I talked to them. They're going to bring it. But um, uh, she needed, like, some, there was, like, something that he made up, like, some sort of lie. Yeah. And so he hangs up and he looks and he's like, Willie's a, he, he made up the lie on the fly because he tells them because Willie's a bad hombre. I know, I wrote it down because... <laughs> and he, Especially when he gets suspicious. Willie's a bad hombre. Willie's a bad when hombre. he gets suspicious. Okay, for that fight scene, I wrote down... Um, she throws a drink in his face. He gets beat up. Uh, and Frank takes his gun. <laughs> so I have to go back and watch that you again. Miss, you need to go back and watch it with my dad. My dad will crack up at that. <laughs> Slapping him and then punches him. I have to see it. Oh. At one point, at one point, he did say, "Don't hit me no more." Yeah, because he was just we just wearing him out <laughs> with these weird punches that John Garfield throws. Oh, I'm gonna. And have he had to been in a whole bunch of boxing movies, so that's why I was like, "Why is he throwing a punch like that?" <laughs> okay, well, I was getting tired. So, uh, at this point, Willie arrives. And Willie's coming in, he's going, what gives? Um, this Cora gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, give Cora the photostats and the negative and get out. So, they burn, they have the photostats, you know, the copies. What, what was a photostat at that time? I don't, I thought you were going to be able to handle that. 
I don't know. I wonder if it was a min. I don't know. I thought Somehow if it was like they made copies. Or I thought it was like and it negatives was a for carbon paper. I don't know. Was it like the film? Was there pictures? It, 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 it had to have been because it was uh, photostats and the negative. Yeah, so it was probably pictures. This was probably there were probably pictures of Frank and Madge. Probably. Okay. Uh, so they throw all of that into the fire. And then Cora goes, once they made it manslaughter, they can't do anything more to me. But you, I met your new friend. Yeah. So so Cora's going, you know, they tried me once. Uh, they can't try me again. It's called double jeopardy. Yeah. And so, but you. And see, since I met your new friend, uh, I'm out to get you now. Mm-hmm. Basically, Cora says, I know that you were cheating on me with this hussy of a lion tamer or waitress or whatever she is. <laughs> and they can't, I've already, I can't do any time for Nick's death. You know, that, no, but you can. So yeah. you better do right by me or your ass is going to jail. First chance I get. And so he goes, we hated each other. And, and the other girl meant nothing. And we're chained to each other. At this point, she says something to him. And I rewound it three times. I didn't understand what she said. But what the intent of it was is she's preggered. Well, I knew that because when he picked her up from... He picked her up from the... the uh, what was it? When she was in train. black. He picked her up from the train. And he says something about like, oh, let's go get a drink. And she makes the comment about how I think that we're going to get along much better now. And then she says, I don't drink anymore. And I was like, there's only one reason a woman stops drinking. Am <laughs> I right? <laughs> Not really. Well, some women other than your mother. But yeah. Wait, what are you saying? No, I'm saying that some women can stop, will stop drinking for reasons other than being pregnant. Me, um, I haven't stopped drinking, but there are what? women who. No, but I, I didn't drink when I was pregnant with you, except for some, some wine in Germany, which was good for you. Oh, I approve. They, they told me that. They said the beer was better, but I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> they also said if you want to pick up a pack of Marlboros every once in a while, that's also not too bad. No, they didn't. And I never smoked with you. <laughs> I just left you with strangers. So then Cora says, I, I was running. I was running away for good. But we took a life. We took a life. Maybe if we give one back, God will forgive us. Yeah. That, so that's that's their story that they're sticking to. Right. They took a life. They got pregnant out of wedlock. And so God's going to forgive them because they're going to give birth to this baby and not abort it. But we don't know that that baby was out of wedlock because they did get married. Oh, I thought you were thinking it might be Nick. <laughs> no, I was thinking that, like, because remember, this whole thing, this whole movie is, uh, this whole movie almost didn't get made because of the whole morals uh, board. Oh, yeah. Remember? Yeah. we what, what movie were we watching? Oh, like Casablanca, how the ending had to be the ending because right. it, it couldn't, they couldn't show an affair. So 
they did get married that's probably yeah. the reason why they got married in the movie honestly because they <laughs> at that point they hated each other i mean they were awful to each other okay so then frank goes take me down to the beach everything uh, and she goes everything will be settled one way or another well, let's she swim says, she way says, out until we're so tired we can hardly get back because that's that's what you do that's a this, wise this decision. Was, yeah, this was weird to me. Um, and so then they're swimming out. This is far enough. And she goes to Frank, do you trust me? I can't make it myself. You can go alone. So and he goes, oh, oh, um, oh she said, I, I went out this far because I can't go back alone. So if you don't trust me, then you're just going to leave me here to die and you'll go back to shore alone. Yeah. But if you trust me, then you'll take me back. So this is the test of our love. Which, are you going to take me back there, or are you going to let me die? There's such a flaw in her test because her, her whole stipulation on this test is that, okay, we've gone out here. I'm too tired. I can't swim back. You can, if you don't trust me, you could swim back and nobody will ever know. Well, yeah, they are, because he was under suspicion of killing the husband. He marries her, and then everybody's going to be like, dude, where's your wife? Yeah. And he's yeah. going to say, I don't know. She went for a swim. She never returned. Like, that doesn't sound suspicious. I was like, Cora, he, he has to take you back. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there was a flaw. He has no option here. But, but, you know, he was in love. So he goes, I'll save you. And um, so they go back to shore and she puts on those peep toe pumps. And he goes, are you sure now? And she says, I'm sure. So she puts on lipstick. And kissing, not looking. Oh, they were driving in. <laughs> they were driving down the road and they're kissing and he's he's driving but not looking because he's so into the kiss and he runs off the road. Well, yeah. Yep. Does, does the nice run off the road, which it, you see the car run off the road and you're just like, okay, you know, I didn't. How did he get out of the car? Well, because the car, he kind of fell out of the car because the car runs off the road and it's kind of on a ditch and the door opens and the car is kind of like wobbling, like teetering. And so the door opens and he just like kind of like the, tumbles out. Yeah, he just tumbles out. And you see her hand, uh, op her hand like is slumped and it opens and the lipstick rolls out the same lipstick that rolled toward him when they were introduced. Mm -hmm. And does the car go over the side of the cliff? No, he just says, Cora. So that the impact killed her. Yeah, and then I'm think I was just like, ah, oh, no seatbelts. This is why they invented seatbelts. Well, and why you don't kiss without looking when you're driving yes. a car. And why you get Toyota safety sense with lane detection. And and uh, yeah, this kissing was the texting. <laughs> kissing our, was yeah. the texting. Don't text and drive, don't kiss and you drive. You don't kiss and drive. This is what happens. So he is arrested for her murder. 
Yep, he's he's back in the hospital bed. Um, he gives a final confession to the DA. I have yep. Mad Dog written. See, at this point, I was, yeah. I was so good about noting who said what, but not now. She crashes the car. She dies. <laughs> okay, this is how my notes go. He crashed the car on accident. She dies. He lives. He's on trial. He's been telling. Oh, so then he goes on trial. They, they're they basically like, yeah, um, you did it. And so then you cut to and he's been his whole voiceover and stuff. It hasn't really been a voiceover. He's really just been saying everything to a priest. Yeah. Because he's sitting in an extremely well lit prison cell. It's his final confession before his execution. And so the DA comes in and he's saying, I didn't do it. I didn't kill her. And the DA hands her a note and he's like, we found this in the back of the cash register. And it was, oh, because remember when they were having a, their fight right before she told them to go to the, the, she said that she was pregnant and stuff and she wanted to run. She Yeah, she wanted to run away. So she had her suitcases all packed. And the DA says he found this note in the cash register because she was going to, that's her move. When she leaves, she leaves a note in the cash register. And so he reads the note and basically it says, the DA says, um, I know that you didn't kill her, but this note says that you killed Nick. Right. There was just enough of a confession Mm -hmm. for helping her kill Nick. So you're going to fry for killing Nick. Yeah. And then he says he has this. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what? So he then he says, you know, it's like you've been wait. You're waiting for. Oh, I should do it as James Mason. No, don't do it as James Mason. (laughs) It's like when you've been waiting for a package all day and the postman he and you think you're going to miss it. But that's why the postman always rings twice, because you might not hear the the first ring, but the second ring, you always hear it. No matter where you are, you always hear it. And, and he says to the priest, do you think she knows that I always loved her? And so then he says at the very end, Father, send up a prayer that we're together wherever that is. So if she's in hell, he wants to go to hell to be with her. Mm-hmm. The end. So the the term, like the postman, it isn't to be taken literally. Rather, the title refers to fate or justice eventually catching up with the perpetrator of a crime, even if they were not punished for the original offense. Right. So it's, it's sort of like... Um, uh, what is it that goes around what goes around comes around Mm -hmm. karma karma that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking so um i really enjoyed it yeah i thought it was good it was uh definitely 40s there every time i thought the movie was going to be over just kept going (laughs) something else happened yeah but it didn't feel it didn't feel like a slog fest no no, it, it, although I mean, it is an hour and 53 minutes. 
It, but but surprises. I mean, there were things I didn't see coming. Now, mm-hmm. I am a naive moviegoer. But, yeah, there were things I didn't see coming because I knew nothing about it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it either. I just I've just always heard about it. And we rented it on iTunes uh, for two ninety nine, and you have forty eight hours to watch it. Or like, I'll go back and watch the fight scene now. Oh, you you gotta get Poppy to watch it too. Okay, because he's gonna love it. Evidently, during the filming. Uh, John Garfield and Lana Turner had a brief affair, a one night, a one nighter at the beach. Mm-hmm. And they decided they really didn't have any sexual chemistry off screen. They were like, off let's screen. just keep it for on screen. Because mm-hmm. even though she said those things about him before when he was cast, when they got together. Oh, there was, there was tension. Sex- yeah, they said the crew could feel the sexual mm-hmm. tension. They were like, ooh, and the the director, Tay Gar- Garnett. He fell off the wagon during the filming of this. Because of the fog. Because he kept waiting for the fog. He would go someplace and the fog would roll in. And then they would say like, oh, the fog is not up north. And they go up north. And then by the time they got up north, the fog had rolled in. And then they're like, the fog's lifted down south. And they go back down south and the fog rolled in again. Yeah, they started at Laguna Beach. And then there was fog. And so they went to San Clemente and there was fog. And so, yeah, it was really, deli- shooting was really delayed because of all the fog. Yeah. It took 12 years to adapt the book into a screenplay because of the explicit material in the novel. Mm-hmm. So being able to get it to comply with the 1940s production code and the fact that People saw his tongue at one point was just not okay. Um, 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 um. Yeah. Uh, Louis B. Mayer, because this was an MGM, hated the movie. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, it was a big hit. It was indeed. I don't think, I didn't see that it won any awards, but it was in the 1001 movies you need to see before you die or the best. 1001 best movies or something but it was it was totally film noir and uh i enjoyed it i liked it too john garfield he was born jacob julius garfinkel's darling (gasps) garfinkel's garfinkel's and he refused to name names during the house of un-americans that whole thing bravo um but he he, that pretty much ended his career because Because he was blacklisted And he died at age 39. <gasps> really? Yeah. Remember? Because there's like a whole thing about it. And um, you must remember this. I don't think I've listened to that one. I'll have to go back and listen to mm-hmm. that one. I forget which one it is, but I remember it. Because I didn't really know uh, who John Garfield was. So that was it. Like I picked and choose which of those I listened to depending on my interest yes so now i have an interest i'll go back i believe i listened to all of them the the ones about the house of unamerican like the blacklist years those are pretty dense yeah that was a bad time because we're also watching on netflix is it on netflix oh um, yeah 
Oliver Stone's untold history? Untold history of the United States. And that went into the that whole McCarthy era thing. I, have, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, it's dense, um, but it's interesting. But it's very, I the soundtrack to that is just Whitney Houston's Didn't We Almost Have It All. Yeah, several times. <laughs> just, just put it on and cry. And then, then we let it go. <laughs> just weep to yourself. We did have a listener who, who said, wouldn't it be great if we could somehow attach a viewing of the film to each podcast? But um, there's no way for us to do that. It's and called so Google. We, I'm sorry. It's called Google. Yeah. And um, most of them can be found on iTunes and we rent them. Yeah. We'll, we'll let people know where we. Um, yeah. Where we found when them. we can. <laughs> <laughs> when we are legally able to disclose where we watch them. That's right. Because we always follow the rules and the laws of the states. There's nothing to see here. Nothing. Don't look behind the curtain. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. So that was. You know what we forgot? Did (laughs) did you see? You can't even see me. How did you know? My eyes got super big. Again, listeners, we forgot to pick our film. Well, it's your week. turn. You just pick now. Go. Okay, let me let me pull up our list. Actually, I had one in mind, but it's sort of. Well, that's um, what we have to do. Cause go, go, go. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Wait, what's the name of it? Um, oh man, wait. It's <laughs> wait for it. Wait for <laughs> it. Vamping, stretching. We are stretching. Elizabeth Taylor and Paul Newman in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. That's right. Also a black and white film. What year is it? 1960? I don't know. But we will tell you next week where we found it. Okay. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, yeah, because uh, I have watched it. I have watched pieces of it uh, for years <laughs> and found out some interesting stuff in it the last time I watched it. Really? That I did not pick up on. <sighs> that's the thing about these old movies is that there's so much that goes unsaid. Yeah. Like the stuff, the first time that they decide to kill Nick, they never say that they're going to kill Nick. They just, just in the way that they talk about it, you piece together, oh, they're going to kill him. Almost like if they were wiretapped. Yeah. Um, they, they never say they're going to do it, so it can't be admissible in court. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't, we didn't say anything. Yeah, we never said we were going to kill him. We're just like, supposing, supposing he had an accident. Yeah, yeah. supposing so, yeah. Wouldn't that be too bad? Uh, yeah. You're just you're joking, <laughs> but you're that's not what your eyes are telling me. I don't know what you're saying. There should have been more like um, com- com- like misunderstandings. Like, well, why don't you just say it then? <laughs> I don't understand what you're talking about. That would be me. You have to spell it out for me, please. I'm very I don't literal. Know what you mean? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what are we saying? Because you would have, if that had been you trying to off. 
<laughs> turned off Nick, you would have gone in, gotten the ball bearings, <laughs> opened the door, door, rolled them all in. Then I would have fallen on him on my way out. <laughs> Closed the door, just oh. waited. He would have walked in and you would have been like, well, what the hell? And then you walk in and slipsy daisy. <laughs> Exactly. It would become a comedy. Yeah. Because it takes me a while to fall down. <laughs> You've already run down. They've already gone down the steps. And it's like, well, <laughs> did she fall? No, she's still falling. We don't know yet. It's still happening. Look at your watch. What now? Nope. She's still no, falling. She's, she's still in the air. She has not landed. She has not landed. What uh, takes her so long? Who knows? <laughs> but it defies physics. I know. <laughs> well, I, I do entertain my family when I fall, and then I pay the price for weeks later. Well, that makes your family sound like horrible people. <laughs> to laugh really hard when I fall. Not this last time. I well, I did, and then, but I didn't get to laugh as hard as usual. I know. <laughs> Only because you didn't see it. <laughs> okay. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed The Postman Always Rings Twice. There is a 1981 with Jack Nicholson and I have no idea who. Uh, I think Jessica Lange. Really? I think. But, um, but this one was great. I think we have determined that Nick was not the angel in... What that Christmas movie that we're gonna do later? I forgot. Was it? It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, I don't yeah. think he was. He was. I don't think he senior. was. He was just so familiar to me, and it's because he was the priest in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And I'm telling you, you go on his Wikipedia page. The man had his foot in seemingly everything. There you go. Thank you, gentle listeners. We'll be back next week with Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Meow. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>